Yoga in all its forms has been a support for me in my life through all the highs and lows. It's opened my mind and my heart in ways I never knew were possible. It has been a teacher, a taskmaster, and a friend. This podcast is an offering. I wish to share the teachings of yoga with you as a tool to help navigate life. Namaste and welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here. So on the last episode, we talked about this notion that we are not our thoughts. We are the ones witnessing the thoughts. We talked about meditation. We did a visualization on objects that we can conjure up. And once we're able to conjure those objects up, simply by hearing them, like red balloon, blue bicycle, white rose, we can visualize these things and then recognize that the visualization is just a thought. You're not a red balloon. You're the one witnessing the thought, red balloon. So we talked about this, and we talked a little bit again about about meditation practice and what that means, what it means to meditate. Meditation is really mindfulness. It's contemplating reality and cultivating relationship with the way our mind works so that as we move through our life, we are able to present ourselves in ways that best align with the truth of who we are. In other words, get a handle on our reactivity or the fluctuating emotions or our triggers, the vrittis that we talked about. The waters are going to get rough. The pebbles will be tossed into the clear lake. That's life. How we respond to life, that's a choice, believe it or not. When we look at a meditation practice or the idea of stilling the mind, yoga, very often people will have this notion that they are meant to get to a place in their mind where there's nothing. That's impossible. It might be death, actually. That might be the only time it's possible to have your mind go to nothing. We don't want that. That's not the goal. If there is a goal, it's more about spending time with the most important person in your life. Ideally, that's you. You are the most important person in your life. If you're not the most important person in your life, or the one that you are most comfortable spending the most time with, you need to meditate even more, would be my opinion. You are the lead actor in this experience that you're having. This is not a dress rehearsal, as they say. When we sit down 
to a meditation practice, or as we understand, there's also walking meditation and there's different forms of meditation. You need to find the one that suits your personality, your constitution. You know, if I talked about this last time, if I say to somebody who's very high energy, you must sit. Yes, there is a discipline to that, but it might be so challenging for that person that it creates more anxiety for them. So we want to be aware that there are different options for meditation. But again, the goal is not to abolish all thought. The goal is to have a more intimate relationship with yourself and the way your mind works, different issues that you're experiencing in your life, different conflicts. We want to look at all of these in our meditation practice so that we can kind of come up with a plan of how to address these conflicts when we're off of our cushion or not in our meditation practice. We can have a meditation practice that is focusing, we focus on the breath. We can have a meditation practice that looks like walking in nature. We've talked about these things. But there's another meditation practice that I'm a really big fan of, and I would like to share it with you. And it's called Metta or loving kindness meditation. Loving kindness meditation is an offering. It's a gift giving. I've had the great good fortune to be in workshops with and study with, if you will, Sharon Salzberg. And she is one of the founders of Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. She is really, for me, she is the queen, if you will, of loving kindness meditation, loving kindness practice. She's written many wonderful books and you can find her uh, online. I believe it's SharonSalzberg.com. She's a gift. But loving kindness meditation is a gift giving. It's an offering. It's the practice of repeating silently certain phrases. And when we turn our attention towards this powerful force of loving kindness and connection, it gives us a reprieve, if you will, from the anxious thoughts or the thoughts on planning or the worrying that we do. We use these phrases as a place to wholly and fully rest our attention. And as we do this offering, this gift giving, we are literally <laughs> cultivating a richer sense of compassion within our heart center. We can feel ourselves opening energetically to kindness, to love, to compassion. These phrases were taught thousands of years. It's a Buddhist teaching in the Pali Canon. And so it's not a new thing, but it is an ancient practice. 
And I personally have found it to be very effective, especially when I am in a time in my life where any other form of meditation seems impossible. I allow myself this practice of loving kindness meditation. Again, it's like giving my mind something to do. You know, if you have um, an overactive mind or if you have, um, I'm thinking of a child when I, when my children were little, if they seem to have a tremendous amount of energy that didn't really have a, an avenue that felt constructive for them to go with that energy, I would give them something when they were very little, I would give them paints or finger paints, or I would say, you know, let's make homemade Play-Doh or let's bake a batch of cookies. You, you would give them something to focus their attention on and put their energy into that. And it would, it would shift things. It would be a shift. This is that. This is a form of meditation. And there are others. But this is a form of meditation where you can place your attention fully behind these phrases as an offering and feel the shift within you. So this is an acknowledgement of just how challenging it is to sit in meditation silently and watch a candle flicker or the incense smoke burn. That's really challenging. And we're acknowledging that and we're saying, well, here, try this. And I hope in future episodes, I will give you other meditation styles to explore. But this one is particularly special to me because of my time with Sharon Salzberg but possibly more importantly, because of how much it's helped me and how much I have been able to witness it helps others, students that I have shared this practice with. So we'll look a little bit at what the practice is. What you're doing is you are making an offering of certain phrases and you can explore using different phrases or changing the wording around, we're going to stay very simple with the phrases for this recording. And you are going to be offering these phrases to very specific recipients. The first recipient that the phrases get offered to is yourself. That would be because it's kind of like if your cup is empty, how can you serve another? If you are not able to love yourself and accept loving kindness from yourself to yourself, how can you honestly be able to offer it to another? It's not possible, really. You must, it's that the thing everybody hears all the time, you know, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first and, you know, the heart pumps blood to itself before it pumps to the rest of the body. All these ideas are real and they're, they're good ones to remember because the more comfortable you become with offering loving kindness to yourself, the more force you will have behind the offering of it to another. So 
The first recipient is yourself. And the phrases are, may I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe? May I live with ease? Now, if you're new to this podcast or new to me, welcome again. But you'll notice that I close the podcast with the loving kindness offering or blessing. And I use a little bit more wording because that's just how I know it. But you do want to keep it simple to learn it, right? We don't want to overcomplicate it. So may I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe? May I live with ease? And you repeat these phrases to yourself over and over as as many times as you feel comfortable with. And then the next recipient is someone who has inspired you, a benefactor, a person who has supported you, really always believed in you without any ulterior motive. Someone that when you conjure them up, and I want you to be able to visualize them and bring them into your field of energy, you feel a, you feel a support, you feel held by them. You feel this awareness of your greatest potential as seen by them. And this person can be living or passed on. And sometimes this person may not even be someone you know that well, but they've inspired you to be the best version of you. And once you've conjured that person up, you could say their name and you offer them these phrases, these blessings. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. And you repeat them as many times as you feel comfortable. And some people will ask me, they'll say, well, who are we asking these things from? And you're not, you're not asking for these offerings to come from anywhere else than the energy within your own heart, which is limitless once you tap into it. This is a gift giving, like I said. So the next recipient is a friend. So again, in your meditation practice, you're offering loving kindness, you conjure up that friend. And I always jokingly say, I have a, a couple of friends, two or three that I like to offer this to on a regular basis. And sometimes I'll conjure up one friend and then that other friend, I can just kind of see them behind going, what about me? What about me? I need this today. And what I do in my practice is the first friend to pop up, that's the one who gets it today. And then I say to the other friend, I'll, I'll get you tomorrow. Um, but you want to not hang on too long and like, well, should I offer it to this friend or this friend is really struggling? It's just the first person you think of. And you say their name and you say, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. And you do this again numerous times. And then the next is a neutral person. This happens to be my favorite. 
I love offering loving kindness blessings to a neutral person. This is somebody you barely know. It could be a shop clerk. It could be a neighbor that you don't really know well at all. Um, you might not even know their name. Um, I have this one story where I was offering this to a gentleman that would pump gas at the gas station where I used to live. And I would have my dogs in the car and he would see me in my yoga clothes. And, you know, we didn't know each other's name and I'd give him the money for the gas. And we would just say hello or how are you doing? And it's just a real kindness. And without knowing anything about him, I would offer him as my neutral person, loving kindness a lot. There was something just about his smile that always made me feel better as I went on my way. And then one day I was in a supermarket nearby the gas station and I was going up and down the aisles doing my thing. And I, I saw this person, but I couldn't place him. And I went down another aisle and I thought, where the heck do I know him? Why? And he's looking at me like he knows me. And I, I felt a swelling in my heart in my heart chakra because I, my heart center, because I realized that this was the gentleman from the gas station that I had in my morning loving kindness offerings. And I felt like I had really met a friend in the aisle of the supermarket because he was, he was a spiritual friend. And I really felt that the energy of, well, just us being kind to each other when I would go to his business, but also I felt like we energetically were sharing some space together in my gift giving. So again, a neutral person, you don't know them well. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. And then the fifth person, this can be a real humdinger, right? This is someone who you are in conflict with, someone you you get heated up by someone that you're struggling with. Now, here's the thing. It could be somebody that you're in a present conflict with. It could be somebody that you're presently angry with, or it could be someone that you recall hurt you in the past and you will offer them loving kindness, meta uh, blessings, because this is part of the practice. You wish to block no one out of your heart center because anyone that is blocked out of your heart center blocks you from realizing your full potential for love and compassion in this human incarnation. So someone that, you know, sometimes it's somebody you'd rather wring their neck than offer them loving kindness, offer them loving kindness. I will tell you a little trick I have with this one. If it's someone that I really am angry with, I mean, if this is going to be a lifelong um, conflict, you know, there are those, they exist, right? I take this person and I meditate and offer them loving kindness as I imagine them as a young child, because it's probably in the adult form that they hurt me or betrayed me. But if I can consider them as a seven-year-old, I can offer that loving kindness to a seven-year-old child. And that also helps me when I need to forgive someone, but that's for another episode. 
And then the sixth is all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be happy. May all beings every, everywhere be peaceful. May all beings everywhere be safe. May all be, all of it, all sentient beings everywhere. We leave no sentient beings out. And that's the big one. Being able to cultivate that love and that compassion and that kindness for all beings everywhere. So that's a loving kindness practice. And I want to just mention Deepama. Uh, Deepama was a Buddhist meditation master. And there's a wonderful book called Deepama, The Life and Legacy of a Buddhist Master by Amy Schmidt. And I'm going to share an excerpt of this with you before we close. Love bowing to love. Your heart knows everything. In a busy Santa Fe coffee house one morning, Sharon Salzberg was asked, what was Deepama's greatest gift to you? Sharon paused for a moment and her face softened. Deepama really loved me, she said. And when she died, I wondered, will anyone ever really love me like that again? She fell silent and for a few moments as it was if a gate had opened into another world. In this other place, there was only one thing, complete and total love. Of course, Sharon added with a quick smile, it wasn't just me. It wasn't personal. Jacqueline Mandel once asked Deepama whether she should be practicing mindfulness or loving kindness. Deepama answered, from my own experience, there is no difference between mindfulness and loving kindness. For her, love and awareness were one. Think about it. When you're fully loving, aren't you also mindful? And when you are fully mindful, is this not also the essence of love? Joseph Goldstein recalls that once when he saw Deepama bow to the Buddha, it was so clear that there was no one there. It was just love bowing to love. Another student said, to Deepama, enlightenment was great love. Her teachings were about connecting to others and being kind. Her heart, like the door to her apartment, was always open. And in that great heart, everyone, whether in sorrow or in celebration, could come and go and be held in her loving embrace. A Sufi teacher, Asha Greer, described being hugged by Deepama so thoroughly that my six feet fit into her great, vast, empty heart with room for the whole of creation. Deepama. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I bring my hands together in the, at the heart center in prayer position. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be healthy and strong. May all beings be safe and protected. May all beings live with ease. Namaste.